People flock to Jesus in large crowds. Today on Maranatha Radio, Pastor Ray Bentley points out that's a bit surprising given what he required of those who followed him. Jesus' standard of righteousness was higher than that of the scribes and the Pharisees. And yet, ironically, sinners, they were somehow irresistibly drawn to Jesus to this very day. Spread Welcome to Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. When you stop to consider all the trouble the Lord went through to create human beings, it's no surprise that He loves us, and it's no surprise that we're drawn to Him. He offers us hope, freedom from our guilt and sin, and comfort in our trials. Well, today, Pastor Ray brings us face to face with Jesus Christ. Let's open our Bibles to the Gospel of Luke chapter 15. We're going to look here at how Jesus is uh, so attractive, and, and I mean he draws people uh, to him. People were drawn to Jesus, and still, there's nobody like Jesus. Would you agree with that? There's nobody else like him that's ever lived or walked upon the earth. Um, still, people are, he's very controversial, but to those who know him uh, and love him, he is King of kings and Lord of lords. We read in verse one of chapter 15 of the gospel according to Luke, then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to Jesus to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes complained saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. So he, Jesus, spoke this parable to them. And we'll look at that parable in just a moment. Um, but let me ask you this question. Do you know why Jesus ate with tax collectors and why he ate with sinners? Why did he do that? Because he cared for them. He loved them. He likes them. You know, he loves human beings, all kinds. He loves every human being that has ever lived. Uh, we're all made in the image and after the likeness of God. Now, what does God look like? Well, uh, the Bible says no man hath seen God, but the only begotten from the bosom has declared him or made him known. Um, you know what, what would strike you first and foremost, I think, uh, beyond being bowled over by his glory when he's <laughs> shining like the sun that has a way of humbling you, but you would also be struck by his humanity. You would be seeing, wow, I'm looking at the face of God and at the same time, there will be this awareness, I am looking at a human face like my own, with eyes and ears and mouth, nose and hair, though his face is shining seven times more brightly than the sun. And I mention that because the incarnation, that God incarnated himself into humanity, says a lot about humanity. We are made in his image and we are made after his likeness. In a way, if you want to know what you know, people look like, you can look at their children and, and see that they bear the image of their parents. What does God look like? Well, in, in the broadest sense of the term, 
Uh, look at humanity. The, right now we've got a snapshot of about 7 billion people. Just quickly, with lightning speed, think and imagine 7 billion human faces. And each one of them, in one way, at least in their humanness, is a tiny fragment, facet, if you will, snapshot of God who created mankind in his own image and after his own likeness. The love of the Father for human beings knows no bounds. Many people wonder, what does God think about me? And usually their thoughts are, he's probably mad at me because I am not doing everything right. Uh, you have no idea the love that he has for you. Jesus is going to be talking about the good shepherd and, and, and the desire to find the one that is lost. And I just want to make this point. Jesus attracted sinners. The religious people of the day, the Pharisees, let's say, repelled them. <laughs> if you were you know, living a life of worldliness and uh, wickedness, the Pharisees did not like you and you probably would not like them. There, there was a repelling force. But ironically, Jesus' standard of righteousness was higher than that of the scribes and the Pharisees. And yet, ironically, sinners who were in rebellion against God, who had just given up the fight to try to even be good, they were somehow irresistibly drawn to Jesus to this very day. Sinners are drawn to Jesus. Do you know why? Because they intuitively sense and know he loves them. And that's why it would have been fascinating to be, you know, 2,000 years ago and watch Jesus. How does he act around sinners? Hey, and he's sitting down with them. He's surrounded by them. He's eating with them, drinking with them, talking to them, loving them, and winning them. Many of those uh, who sat and ate with him and heard these stories, became believers, and then their lives were totally transformed. Now, lost sinners came to Jesus, and I think this is important, and I, so much so, I put it into your notes, not because he compromised with them. There are many today who would take the approach, hey, we really, we've got to show all the, the sinners out there, we love them, so let's compromise a little bit and they'll feel comfortable around us and then we'll get to tell them all the, you know, the things that we really believe or that we are about. Jesus did not uh, compromise with them, nor because he catered to them, but because they sensed he truly loved them and cared for them. The Pharisees' attitude and, and pretty much the only thing they had to say about sinners was they criticized them and they kept their distance from them. Here's one of the things that they would do. If you're walking down the street and here's a, a religious man, and how do you know he's religious? Because he's got a robe and he's following the, the law and all the details within Judaism, and there you are, you know, you're just a sinner, you don't have a robe or you don't have any of the, the things that you should have as an Orthodox Jew, and you're kind of like, oh man, there he is. And he would look at you and he would kind of go like this and he would take and wrap his robe tightly around him. How would that make you feel? Warm and fuzzy, uh, loved? <laughs> No, probably not. And the reason was they didn't want to walk freely with their robes flapping in the wind in case their robe might touch you, a sinner, and that would somehow taint them. Well, Jesus not only wasn't worried about touching them, but he was, had his hands on them and he was blessing them and praying for them and healing them and sometimes casting out demons out of them as their little heads are spinning around and green stuff's coming out. He's rebuking the devil. He is bringing the kingdom of heaven 
and all of a sudden they're being cleansed, the kingdom of God is coming and the gates of hell are not able to prevail against it. It's a, an offensive uh, posture that he, when he said the gates of hell will not prevail, it means it's not that Jesus is running away from all the demons or that we need to be afraid of all of them. We are going to the, where they are. We're knocking the door down. There's nothing they can do about it. Walking into their house where they're prisoners, breaking the chains and setting them free, bringing them out and into the light and to the love of God. So Jesus wants us to know that the good news is the Father welcomes and forgives sinners. Now look with me uh, as he tells this first story, beginning in verse four. It says, what man of you, so he's gonna start telling some stories, All the, a lot of religious leaders are around him. He says, now what man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. Jesus is lovingly rebuking. Uh, and by the way, you know, how, so yes, Jesus loved sinners. How did he feel about the Pharisees and the religious leaders? He loved them too. How did he show that he loved them? By correcting them by teaching them, by telling them these stories, by even rebuking them. And he's saying, hey guys, your attitude stinks, it's rotten. Uh, You should be loving them. Which one of you, as a shepherd? And that was their whole background, the whole story of Israel. Abraham and Isaac and Jacob were shepherds. Would not leave the 99 that are already in the pen safely and go search for the one, and then how you rejoice over the one sheep that was lost. By the way, Pharisees had no problem uh, seeing sinners as lost sheep. The Pharisees' problem was they couldn't see themselves as lost sheep, when in fact they were. Not only did the uh, Pharisees not care about these sinners and all of their buddies and all of their friends, but what really irked them was that Jesus did like them and love them and hang out with them. And so not only did they not care, it bothered them that Jesus did care. Now, let me say this about the 99. Jesus is not saying that by leaving the 99, he's not saying that they are unimportant to him. What he is trying to show is they're safe. They're in the pen, they're, they're in a uh, fold. And basically what a shepherd would do is he would, he would put up a little hedge in a circle and then he himself was the gate. Out in the wilderness, you, you get some sage and some brush that's kind of uncomfortable. It, it doesn't even have to be that strong, by the way. But sheep, um, they, they will go up against it and go, wow, that kind of itches a little bit. Did it itch you, guy? Yeah, wow, that's a, it's uncomfortable. Let's stay here safely. And they'll just talk to each other and stay safely within the fold. And there's an open gate. It's not like there's a real gate. You're out in the middle of nowhere. So the gate, is the shepherd himself. He lays down at night, and the only way a sheep can get out of this little bramble brush uh, pen he's made is to climb over him, so he wakes up and says, no, uh, Curly, get back into the pen. (laughs) So when Jesus said, I am the door of the sheep, he was literally saying, I am the door, and heaven is the sheep fold. 
But when there are 99 and one has wandered away, and we know this, the nature of sheep is to stray. And Jesus looked at human beings and he goes, now of all the animal kingdom, who do you guys remind me of? I know who it is, sheep. Pastor Ray Bentley will have more of today's study in just a moment. So many listeners have shared comments on what Pastor Ray's teachings on Maranatha Radio have meant to them. Pastor Ray was such a devoted servant of the Most High God and is now in the presence of his best friend and Savior, Jesus Christ. He ran the race and finished the course set before him. My love to the Bentley family and to Maranatha Ministries. Pastor Ray's teachings continue here on the radio thanks to the support from listeners like you. If you'd like to partner with Ray Bentley Ministries and Maranatha Radio, just go to our website, www.raybentley.com. That's raybentley.com. And now more of today's message from Pastor Ray Bentley. I have said this before that uh, when I was in, in high school, I was for a brief time, a future farmer of America, right here. I, and I actually raised a sheep, uh, one. And his name was Curly. I entered him into the fair at the Del Mar Fair. And you know, I'm 14 going on 15 years of age and I have my little future farmers of America jacket on and getting, you know, raising my sheep. Now, I'll tell you this about sheep, not the brightest bulb in the forest not really smart. I mean, sheep will, you know, in the, in the wilderness, <laughs> oh, they can be standing there and dying of thirst, and there can be a river right there, and they go, <laughs> They won't go over to it. So you walk over and you go, come on, Curly, and go, oh, wow, you know, and you bring them a few feet over, and they're eating, they're drinking. And the same thing with food. You gotta lead them around and take, you gotta do everything for them. And I don't know why, but sheep have no defenses. Every other animal God gave, you know, some can fly, some can dig, some go like that. Some go with a porcupine thing. Uh, you know, some of them stink to high heaven. They, they got all kinds of stuff. You know, a sheep walking through the wilderness alone is like a, it's like a Burger King, you know, lunch. Uh, it's a happy meal going through the forest by himself. There's no protection. His only, I mean, they have teeth that are like your molars. They can barely chew at all. Their only protection is to be with the flock and with the shepherd. That's why the wolves wait and one strays away and they're, they're licking their chops because the, it's easy. They just go eat them and, and that's it. So Jesus said, as a sheep, and the nature of sheep, they're with their 99 buddies, right? And they go, I wonder what's over the hill. I mean, there's miles of just the same little green rolling hills. And they're, I wonder what's over that little knoll. And so, boom, 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 they walk over. And the next thing you know, they go, where'd everybody go? And they get lost. <laughs> they are so uh, dumb, how dumb are they? They're looking down, eating grass, and they will walk off a cliff. Oh, where did everybody, where did, what happened? Seriously. So he's got the thing, he's gotta you pick him up, 
at the, you know, the stick with the end on it is so you can lift them back up. Now, again, I say to you, Jesus looked at human beings. He said, you guys remind me of somebody. <laughs> sheep without a shepherd. What is a sheep without a shepherd? Lunch. <laughs> what is a sheep without a shepherd? Vulnerable. What is a sheep without a shepherd? Lost. What is the nature and tendency of sheep? To wander and curiosity and, and walk just a few feet away and get totally lost. <laughs> and that's, so the joy, here's what I love though about our shepherd. Jesus, if we're like sheep, he's like a shepherd. A shepherd is always wanting to keep all the sheep together and protect them and take out the wolf and the lion, the bear. And that's why David was such a man after God's own heart. And, and he, a shepherd cannot stand to lose even one sheep. He doesn't go, well, hey, 99 out of 100 isn't bad. I only lost one today. No, he, every sheep, no matter how, what size the fold, is valuable to him. And they live with them and they, they get to know them and they have names for each one of the sheep. Even to this day, in the Middle East, when we go there and we get to go out by Bethlehem, and they'll have these young teenage shepherds, boys and girls, and they call the sheep by names and the little sheep will come over to them. It's very uh, amazing. Just as Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. It's not just a nice parable, it's a true reality. Um, and Jesus said, the nature of the shepherd of your father in heaven is to search for those who are lost. And he often seeks us through our broken and crumbling dreams. And I, I wonder tonight, in, in thinking about one, I wonder if there is someone here tonight who is lost. You know what that means. Uh, you're lost. You are confused. You are bewildered. Uh, how did I get here? Uh, I didn't want this to happen. Uh, things beyond your control. Uh, you're, you're, often he, the Lord chases us through our crumbling dreams our broken dreams. We set off in a direction, we had a plan, and it fails. And this happens one of two ways. One, it can happen by failing to achieve our dreams. There may be some person here tonight who is broken. Your world is crumbling and falling apart because you had dreams, and one way or another, life has come and snatched them one by one out of your hands, and then when you have no dreams left, laughs at you. And you're a walking zombie. And maybe that is even why you are here in a church and listening to this worship team singing with such life and like this river of water. And you are drawn and attracted really to Jesus. And you're saying, so what do I do? The other way that this happens is by actually achieving our dreams and getting what you set out to accomplish, which there are, you know, half that do and then finding out it wasn't what I thought it would be. It isn't all it was cracked up to be. Uh, uh, I got it and now I still feel empty. This nagging emptiness inside. Jesus is coming for you, searching for you, wants to wrap his arms around you. And the picture of a shepherd, and this is a very touching one. And by the way, the earliest piece of artwork that we have that goes almost back to the early church in the book of Acts itself, that is a piece of sculpture, the oldest piece of Christian sculpture on the planet that has been found is of a shepherd with a lamb on his shoulders around his neck. This is a powerful uh, symbolic picture of what the Lord wants to do with you. At 
In other words, the full weight of your life, the full burden of everything that you are, rests upon the shoulders of your shepherd who knows the way back home, the way back to the fold, the way to safety, and and tremendous love. So Jesus tells this story, and he's saying, you know, how come you you, you, you religious guys are criticizing me for acting in the nature of our father whose very essence and being is to search like a shepherd for a lost sheep. That would have touched them very, very deeply uh, because of their history and their background and the patriarchs and David, of course. So look with me, let's look at the second story real quick. Verses eight through 10, this is the story of the lost coin. And this one is geared uh, kind of really toward the sisters, toward women. Verse eight, he says, or what woman having 10 silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the entire house, and search carefully until she finds it. And when she has found it, she calls all of her friends and neighbors together saying, rejoice with me, I have found the peace which I lost. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. As I mentioned here, when a Jewish girl married in Jesus' time, she was often given a headband that would have 10 silver coins in it. And some, you know, she would wear this upon her head and it was uh, kind of like our uh, wedding ring of today. It meant I married. And oftentimes uh, the bridegroom would put either his name or if he could somehow his image on these coins to show this is my wife and she to wear it saying, I am married. Someone has loved me and made a promise to me and has spoiled me and has given to me this beautiful headband with 10 silver coins. Now, not only did the emotion and the romance of what it meant, her vows and her love and uh, you know this handsome young man, but they, each one of the coins was silver. I mean, it was valuable. So it had sentimental value, emotional value, romantic value, relational value, and even, you know, nothing would look worse than to have nine out of 10. So that everybody go, oh, you lost one. You know, they, they, they would see that it wasn't all, what happened, did you, where did it go? And so it was a catastrophe to have lost one of those. She would literally, and what Jesus is saying is turn the house inside out, upside down, till she found that one coin, put it back into the row of 10 and be able to wear it and then rejoice as a result of it. So Jesus is showing what it's like. You know, he's drawing on the most powerful, emotional, ancient images of being a shepherd and losing one sheep. Everybody would relate to that. Or being a woman and losing one of those coins from the headband that they would wear. And Jesus is touching all of these things. Pastor Ray Bentley with interesting insights on the parable of Jesus and its relation to a first century tradition. Glad you've joined us today here on Maranatha Radio. Now, today's study is titled, The Joy of Being Found. If you missed any part of the presentation, you can hear a replay on iTunes or at raybentley.com. That's raybentley.com. We hope you'll stop by our site today. When you're there, you can leave a few words in tribute to Pastor Ray's life and ministry. And under media, you'll notice three words, watch, radio, and devo. 
Three ways to enjoy Pastor Ray's insights. Plus, click About and find out more about Pastor Ray and find out how you can come into a deeper relationship with the Lord. And at the bottom of the page, you can sign up to receive Pastor Ray's daily devotions via email, free of charge. And then, after 30 years on the radio and the passing of Pastor Ray Bentley in early 2022, we are approaching the end of the Maranatha radio program. We'd like to thank you, our dedicated listeners, who've joined us through the years as we've journeyed with Pastor Ray through the Bible. We'll be continuing the broadcast through the remainder of 2023, but we're excited to share that we'll have a dedicated online location to access all of Pastor Ray's content, including video, audio sermons, books, and more. Please visit raybentley.com to follow along with us. But we hope you'll stay with us here on the radio through the end of the year. Next time, join Pastor Ray for more from our studies in the book of Luke. More from God's Word next time on Maranatha Radio. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley is an outreach of Maranatha Chapel, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127.